I'd like to think Jesus was a great person, but it seems like a silly story. Jesus was a liberal. Some reflected there in the video that Jesus is God. We are today continuing in our series, Explore God, and answering the question, is Jesus really God? And as you can see from the video, there's a wide range of opinions on who Jesus is. Is Jesus really God? And if you are here today, uh, here at our Hayward campus, want to welcome our campus in Hayward as well, of, as well as our online audience, and you don't believe that Jesus is God, we're so glad you're here. Uh, you are actually in the majority of people all around the world. The majority of people around the world do not believe that Jesus is God. There's a wide range of opinions. Folks that follow Judaism, literally tens of millions of people who follow Judaism would say that Jesus was a false messiah. That we actually in Judaism, people who follow Judaism would say, I'm still waiting. We're still waiting for the true messiah because Jesus was a false messiah. Those who follow Islam practice uh, the Muslim faith, almost two billion people they would say that Jesus was merely a prophet. He was just a prophet. Amongst many other prophets, Jesus was just a prophet, but he wasn't the God-man. And then for those who practice Buddhism, literally hundreds of millions of people who practice Buddhism, they would say that Jesus wasn't God because Buddhists don't believe in a God. They would say that Jesus was just an enlightened man. He had an extra degree of enlightenment different from the rest of us. And so he was a special man, an enlightened man, but he wasn't God. And so a wide range of opinions. And obviously, or maybe not so obviously, we as Christians believe that Jesus is, was, the Son of God, that he is God. And today, though, we start with the question, is Jesus really the Son of God, is Jesus really God? The deeper question that I want to drill down and have us ask is simply this, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? In 2023, here in Bay Area, California, who do you say Jesus is? Not who do Muslims say he is, not who does your mama say he is. Not does what is your Sunday school teacher or the faith tradition you grew up in say he is. Who do you say he is? And I want us to answer this question for ourselves because it's actually a question that Jesus asks his early followers. He says, who do you say I am? And so I want to bring you in as we get started into the account of the former tax collector, Matthew. He overheard a discussion, might have even been in the discussion that the disciples were having about Jesus, where Jesus asks them this question, who do you say that I am? Let's peer in on this conversation. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What's the word around town about who I am? This is what Jesus asked. And what does his disciples say? They said it this way. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
For 2,000 years, people have had varied opinions on who Jesus is. But look at what Jesus says. But who do you say that I am? It's great that all these others say that I'm this, I'm that. Who do you say that I am? And look at what Simon says. Simon always had a response for Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I want to make two quick observations from this interaction between Jesus and his disciples before we get into the outline for the message. And the quick observations is this. First, the first thing I see is who you say Jesus is matters. As much as Jesus was interested in who did people say he was, he said, but who do you say that I am? And I just want to make the point for all of us, Christian, non-Christian alike, there in Hayward, watching online, who you say Jesus is matters. Christians would say it's the most important question that you have to answer in life. But maybe the more poignant observation would be this. Only God can reveal to you that Jesus is God. See, after Peter made this proclamation that you're, you're Christ, you're the son of the living God, Jesus said, there is no way that flesh and blood revealed that to you. There is no way your intellect helped you come to the conclusion that Jesus was God. That is something only God can do. And so what does that observation, what should that mean to us today? Number one, if you are a believer in Jesus and God has revealed to you that Jesus is God, I hope by the time we're finished today or even right now, you have a fresh worship in your heart for the miracle that has taken place, you see Jesus is God. I hope a fresh humility would wash over you, that you would never think for a moment, I believe Jesus is God because I'm just wise like that. Because I'm just smart enough to know, because I sat down and read the Bible one day, or I listened to a preacher one day, and it just made sense to me. No, 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 no. We don't believe Jesus is God because it makes sense. We believe Jesus is God because something supernatural has happened where our eyes have been opened to the divinity of Jesus as God. Amen? So there should be a humility in our lives. Christians, there should also be a peace. Maybe you're sitting next to someone, you invited a guest, come, we're exploring God, and, and maybe you're sitting next to someone or know someone at your job or in your family that you love dearly and they don't believe Jesus is God. I just want to let you know, it's not your job to convince them. It's actually an impossibility. Our job is to point to Jesus as God. God's job is to reveal himself as Jesus is God. So we could rest easy. I could rest easy this morning. Come on, somebody. I don't have to give a compelling, intelligent argument. Why? Because God is going to do the heavy lifting. Now, if you aren't a believer in Jesus and you're here, once again, so glad you're here. We know it takes courage to come into a church service and explore who God is, surrounded by a, a bunch of people who already believe it. But maybe you're joining us this weekend and you're hurting your life is hard. This whole Jesus thing doesn't make sense to you, but you know that your life is hard and, and you want there to be a God. You need there to be a God because you need some sort of divine intervention in your life. Your financial situation is all out of whack. 
You feel at an odds distance from God because you know there's just things in your life that aren't pleasing to him. I would just say to you, if you're with us this weekend, you could pray a simple prayer. God, show yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. And so because this conversation about Jesus being divine is really a supernatural one, I want to pray one more time. Would you bow your heads? And I just want to pray that God would do what only he could do amongst us today. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, speak to your people this morning. For those of us who are believers, but we find ourselves struggling in our faith or not so confident in who you are, God, I pray that you would build our faith. For the prideful believer in the room, I pray you would humble us, Lord. And Lord, for the unbelievers who are, in a lot of ways, by faith, walking through these doors, God, I pray you would do what only you could do. Show yourself as the God of all creation who loves them and who has a plan for them and who made a way for them to know you through the person of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to unpack why we believe Jesus is God. But sorry, going to stall a little bit longer. One more question I want to answer before. Did Jesus of Nazareth actually exist? How about we start there? Because some would say, oh man, this whole Jesus thing, it's a fairy tale. It's like Santa Claus, right? You believe him when you're young because your mommy and daddy tell you, but then you get to a certain age where you actually turn on your brain and then you realize, no, Jesus was just a fairy tale. Maybe he's like the Easter bunny or the leprechaun at the end of the rainbow with the gold. Come on, he's on par with all of these things. He didn't actually walk the face of the earth. Well, if that's you, I want to draw your attention to Graham Stanton. He was a historian, and he says it this way, to date, nearly all historians, whether Christian or not, accept that Jesus existed. All historians. One that I want to quote this morning is actually uh, an atheist-leaning historian. His name is Bart Ehrman, and he wrote a book very clearly entitled, Did Jesus Exist?, And he says it this way. This is a pretty compelling argument for the existence of Jesus. He says, I'm not a Christian. I have no interest in promoting a Christian cause or a Christian agenda. I am an agnostic with atheist leanings. Agnostic meaning God can't be explained. I don't know whether or not he exists, but it can't be explained. But with atheist leanings, but I lean towards there is no God. In my life and views of the world would be approximately the same whether or not Jesus existed. He goes on to say, but as a historian, I think evidence matters, and the past matters, and for anyone to whom both evidence and the past matter, I love this, a dispassionate consideration of the case makes it quite plain. Jesus did exist. Here's an atheist-leaning agnostic who says, I could care less whether he exists or not because if he did, it wouldn't change my life one bit, but I gotta tell you, he existed. And so for those of you who may sit with your arms crossed, oh, Jesus is not real, I just gotta tell you, that would be intellectually dishonest. You'd be intellectually irresponsible to live your life with the view that Jesus of Nazareth was not real. He was. 
Now, whether or not he was the son of God, now that's something we've got to talk about. So here's the outline for today. How are we going to get to the bottom of Jesus being God? We're going to look at some things Jesus said. We're going to look at some things Jesus did. And then we're going to close by looking at some unlikely believers who believe that Jesus was indeed God. Now, because I don't think that through this outline I can convince any of you that he's God, I'm going to walk us through this outline because, Christians, I want to strengthen our faith this morning. I just got to tell you, you're not crazy. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not crazy. You're not crazy for believing. Maybe like they're crazy just because they're crazy, but you know. Christians, I know we get frustrated when people look at us and say, to be a Christian, you have to check your intellect at the door. No, 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 no. How many of you would say, I'm a Christian, but I I have my intellect in tow. I still have a brain and use that brain. And so I want to help us see that there are some logical reasons why we believe Jesus is God. And to the skeptic in the room, I hope by the time we're done, you could see, okay, Christians may do some crazy things. We might say some crazy things, but we're not crazy for believing Jesus is God because there's logical reasons for this. So let's start with what he said. Let's start with some things that Jesus said. There's one time that Jesus is with um, some folks who are listening in, some Pharisees who are trying to, some teachers of the law who are trying to discover and talk about who Jesus is. And look at what Jesus says. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Here's Jesus talking about the father of the Israelite nation, Abraham, saying he would be glad, okay? He lived thousands of years before Jesus, but Jesus is proclaiming that he knew what Abraham would feel. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? How are you talking about Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation, if you're not even 50, let alone thousands of years old? And look how Jesus replies. Jesus is wild. Look what he says. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's wild. That's like me saying in 2023, before Jesus was, I am. Before Jesus ever existed, Ed was there. Edward was there. I am. You guys would be like, you're crazy, bro. No, you weren't. You, you am nothing. You ain't nothing. You weren't there. But to take you deeper into the, the meaning of and the, the enormity of Jesus in that moment saying, I am, you have to understand um, this phrase and the power of this phrase and how it had been used historically um, before the Israelites. You see, there's a time when that Israelite nation would be taken into captivity. They would become slaves under Egypt. And God would call a man named Moses, and he would say, Moses, go to Pharaoh, the one who's overseeing the slavery of the Israelites, and demand that Pharaoh let my people go. Come on, somebody. You've watched that movie before. Let my people go. But Moses was intimidated. He was like, they're not going to believe me. Who should I say sent me? And God from above so much swag. What does he say? Say, I am sent you. 
I am sent you. So when Jesus, thousands of years later, is saying before Abraham was, I am, he's not only saying I existed before Father Abraham, he's saying I am God. Who is this Jesus? He wouldn't just say I am God in that way. He would have many other I am statements throughout his three and a half year earthly ministry. Take a look at some of these wild statements of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. You have to come through me to get to God. I am from above. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, is what Jesus said. He would say, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never go hungry. He said, I'm the living water. If you drink from my well, you'll never go thirsty. It's at this point, I just gotta say, unless Jesus was God, he's the most narcissistic person who's ever walked the face of the earth. Kanye West has nothing on Jesus Christ if Jesus wasn't God. He didn't just say these things. Look at this other wild thing that Jesus said. He said, I and the Father are one. Me and God, we're the same guy is basically what he's saying. And look at how the Jews responded. It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. It was crazy talk. It was this talk about him being God is what actually, what they crucified him for. One more wild thing that Jesus said over the course of this, his ministry is he would say, son, your sins are forgiven. To which the onlookers would be like, only God can forgive sins. You're wild, Jesus, because unless you're God, you don't have the power to forgive sins. So what do we make of these things that Jesus said? Who was this man who talked as if he was, what religious leader do you know who ever walked the face of the earth that said, I am God. Others would say, false leaders and religions would say, oh, we can point the way to God. We know how to get to God. But none of them would say, I am God. So I want to take you to the words of Rabbi John Duncan, who introduces a line of thinking and an argumentation for Jesus being God based off of the things that Jesus said. He says it this way, Christ either deceived mankind by conscious fraud, or he was himself deluded and self-deceived, or he was divine. There's no getting out of this trilemma. It is inexorable. You've all had a dilemma before. What do I do, this or that? A trilemma is three hard choices. Was he divisive, like fooling people, or was he self-deluded, was he like a crazy man for saying all these things about himself, or was he divine? Years later, a man would come onto the scene and make this same argument using the terminology liar, lunatic, or lord. Some of you are familiar with this argument. It's by a man that is dearly loved around here. His name is C.S. Lewis of Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe fame 
For those of you who, who don't know, CS, Clive Staples Lewis. Come on, somebody. He is the one who makes a compelling argument, liar, lunatic, or Lord. Let's take a look. He says, Christ, oh, I am trying to here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people, um, I can't see that far, that people often say about him. It's like I'm straining my eyes. Just look at the TV down here. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And he says, this is the one thing we might, we should not say. We cannot say this. How many of you know some people said, he's not God, he's a great teacher, but he's not God. He told some great stories, but he's not God. And Clive says, you can't say that, you can't say that. Why not, why not? Because a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or on level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. It'd be like me saying this morning, I am a McChicken sandwich. I am, this is who I am. You'd look at me and you'd say, you're crazy. So I'd either be looked at as someone who was delusional or I would be like the devil of hell for trying to convince you that I'm someone who I'm not. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You could shut him up for a fool. You could spit at him and kill him as a demon or you could fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. Clive Staples Lewis would then drop the mic. And so here's the question to consider, especially if you're a seeker a doubter, a skeptic of Jesus being God. You just gotta ask, based on what Jesus said, if Jesus wasn't God, in your view then, was he a liar or a lunatic? He wasn't a legend. We've got that out of the way. He existed. He wasn't, or he could. Are you gonna say he's a liar? Was he lying or was he a crazy man? Because if he's neither of those things, he must be God. That's the argument from what Jesus said. Now let's take a look at what Jesus did. We're gonna take a look at what Jesus did because this is what we do, right? When, when you wanna know if, if someone is who they say they are, you don't just look at what they say, you look at what they do. And we don't only wanna look at what Jesus did because that's just what we're doing. Jesus actually instructed us to do this. In this same conversation with the Pharisees, he said it this way, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand, look at another gnarly phrase, that the father is in me and I am in the father. There Jesus goes again, talking crazy. Me and God, the same guy, he says, look at the works. So one of these works, Jesus hanging out with his disciples on a boat, famous story, it's calm, it's cool, it's a great day, and then it starts to rain a little bit, and then a lot, and then a storm, and the disciples start freaking out, and look at what Jesus does. They went out and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. 
Jesus replies to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, look at what Jesus' actions caused his early disciples to ask. Who then is this? Who can this person be that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? The works of Jesus should cause ourselves to ask the question, who was this guy? Let's look at some of his other miracles that he did over the course of his life. Cures. Jesus cured people who were blind. He cured them who were crippled, he cured them. Who couldn't hear, he he cured them. Sometimes just with the sound of his voice, sometimes he would take some mud and put it on, rude, like come on, can we think of another way? Who is this man who can cure blindness with mud? Who is this man who can cause the lame to walk? Someone who had been crippled for all of his life and he says, take up your mat and let's keep it pushing. The man walks away praising God. It's not just cures, though. Exorcisms, ooh, spooky. Speaking to unclean spirits, speaking to demons, simply saying when they were embodying people, get out, he would cast them out. And at the sound of the voice of Jesus, these evil spirits, these unclean spirits would leave people's bodies. Who is this man who not only healed and had control over demons and evil, but also then would have control over nature, the wind and the waves. And then there was this one time where there was this tree that wasn't this little tree and it wasn't producing any figs. It's a wild story. I don't really understand it all. All I know is they're walking by this tree and Jesus says to it, I curse you, fig tree. And then him and his boys would walk by it the next day and, and it was like <laughs> dead. Some of you have dead plants because you just can't keep them alive, right? None of you have dead plants because you curse them. <laughs> Who is this Jesus that takes some bread and some fish that's good enough for a schoolboy's lunch and uses it to feed 10,000 people? When's the last time you tried to multiply the food in your refrigerator? How did that go, friend? (laughs) Who is this Jesus that at a wedding, the wine's all gone, and then he turns the water into wine? Now, some of you, okay, I'll sign up for that Jesus. Give me that Jesus. Who was he if he had control over nature? Who was he that he could speak to dead people and cause them to come back to life. His buddy Lazarus dead for three days. He even waits a little while, rude again. Comes onto the scene and after a couple days says, Lazarus, get on up out of there, stop playing, get up out of there. Lazarus comes to life. He didn't only uh, raise to life grown folks, he, he raised to life Jairus' daughter. Jairus was just like this politician, rich guy. What I love about this one is this was a long-range resurrection. Come on. Jairus is like, my daughter's back and she's dying. She's dead. And Jesus was like, long-range. Just go back to the house. She's fine. She's fine. Widow's son raised to life. The apex of Jesus' life. He would resurrect his own body. He would come back to life. Who is this man? 
Who do you say Jesus is? Question to consider now as we round second base and head for the third part of the outline. Based on what Jesus did, if Jesus wasn't God, based on his miracles, based on his cures, based on his control over nature, based on his control over life, if you don't say Jesus is God, then who was he? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? want to close with some unlikely believers. It's one thing to say that you're God. It's another thing to do some God-like things. But a big evidence into who a person is is, well, who believes it? Who believes it? Right? If a if hundred years from now, um, there's a talk about Pastor Ryan Kwan. He was the pastor of Resonate Church in the Bay Area. You're going to have to ask at some point, okay, he might have said it. He might have done some things like he wasn't. Who else believed? And I think all of us would be, yeah, yeah, Pastor Ryan Kwan's our pastor. You'd have some witnesses. We'll look at some unlikely believers. The first one I want to take you to is someone who declared that he was God and, and probably was one of the most unlikely people to declare that he's God. Why? Because he was a part of putting Jesus on the cross. He was a Roman centurion. You see, the Romans were the ones who were responsible for, had a lot to do with putting Jesus on the cross. And look at what the centurion and those around him, at the point where Jesus is hanging on the cross, look at what he says. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, for real, for real, this was the Son of God. If there would have been anyone who would have wanted to go to their grave denying that Jesus was the Son of God, it would have been the people who nailed him to the cross. Only God could have revealed to that Roman centurion in that moment that Jesus was God. One more, it's kind of a fun one here. As um, Jesus would resurrect and before he would ascend to heaven, he told all of his followers, he said, stick around, go pray. I want you to stick around, pray, and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, someone better than me. And in that prayer meeting, look who is there. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Why is that a compelling argument for Jesus being God? Let me just ask you, Hayward, let me ask you, what would you have to do to convince your mom that you're God? What would you have to do? Now, my mom, my wife, they love me more than anyone else, but believe me, they'd be the first in line to say, that dude ain't anything special. If anyone knows you're not special, it's your mom. Someone say amen. <laughs> to the parents here, online, Hayward, what would your son, what would your daughter have to do to convince you that they were God? You're like, yeah, a whole lot of what they're not doing now. His brothers? Come on, somebody. What would your brother have to do to be convinced that you were God? What would you have to do, I'm sorry, to convince your brother, your sister, that you're God? 
When all was said and done, his mother and his brothers were around and willing to pay a price. Why? I want to believe it's because they believed Jesus was truly God. Christians, we're not crazy. There's some things that Jesus said that if he wasn't God, he was crazy. He was a lunatic. He was a deceiver. I'm just not ready to call him a liar, a lunatic. There's some things he did that no one who's ever walked the face of the earth since him has done. No one's life is more controversial than Jesus of Nazareth. Why is that? Maybe because of what he did, it points to the fact that he was indeed the God-man. There were some unlikely believers when all was said and done who would pay the price for believing he was God. Christian, you're not crazy. Skeptic in the room, doubter, seeker, we're so glad you're here. These are our compelling arguments for why we believe Jesus is God. And we know God has opened up our eyes, but here is our evidence. And all I would ask you in love for the skeptic in the room is I'd say, what's your evidence for not believing he's God? Why don't you believe Jesus is God? Got one more line of argumentation as I close. One more, and, and to me it's the most compelling reason. We've talked about what Jesus said. We've talked about what Jesus did. We've talked about some unlikely believers. But in closing here, I want to talk about what Jesus allowed. At the end of his life, Jesus would allow some things to happen to himself that for me, compel me to believe that he is God. In these moments before he was to be nailed on the cross, look at what he allowed. And they, those Romans, they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. They were mocking him, and they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. The God of all creation in human form allowed himself to be humiliated. Humiliated on a cross. Why is this a compelling argument for the divinity of Jesus? Because no man-made God who had the type of power that Jesus had would have allowed this. Power, at least in the world's view, is meant to keep you on top. 
power in the world's view is not given away. Power in the world's view is strengthened. It's maintained. It's used to lord over others. That's the world's type of power. But Jesus, in all of his glory, and all of his strength, he allows this. Why do I use the word allowed? Because he says right before he was arrested that if I wanted to call to my Father in heaven, I could get legions of angels to come rescue me. But he allows it to happen. He allowed himself to be mocked and beaten and crucified. And so the question we have to ask now is why? If Jesus really was the God of all creation, why did he allow this to happen? And the word and the response is simple. The answer is simple. The word is love. It's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus allowed himself to be humiliated as God so we can be forgiven of all the humiliating things we've done against God. We're the ones who should be humiliated for the ways in which we've mocked God. But instead, Jesus was mocked so we could be forgiven of the way we mock God. Jesus was betrayed. Those followers took off. They left on him. They didn't think he was going to rise from the dead. Why? So we could be forgiven on all the times we've walked out on Jesus. On the cross, for a moment, Jesus cries out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken by God once so that through faith in him, you and I could have face-to-face intimacy with God forever. This is the gospel. So how should we respond? What should we do now in response to this good news? Number one, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're about to take communion. We're about to sing a closing song of worship. I pray that you would respond today with the humility and with a fresh praise that says, thank you, Lord, for opening up my eyes to the divinity of the God-man, Jesus Christ. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to provide a way for my sins to be forgiven, but you did. And I pray here that you would leave with an assurance and a depth of faith, supernatural. And for our guests who are here, who are exploring God, trying to come to a conclusion for yourself. For those in Hayward, you took someone up on an invitation to come to church and I would believe that there are some who you would say right here, you'd say, you know what? I think God is opening up my eyes to Jesus being divine. I think something supernatural is happening where I see that Jesus is God and I want to place my faith in him for the forgiveness of my sins. If you're here today, if you're in Hayward, I just want to ask you, if you want to place your faith in Jesus as God for the forgiveness of your sins for the very first time, 
Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I know it might take some courage, but if you're here and God has revealed to you the divinity of Jesus, if you're in Hayward, if you're online, put it in the chat. Just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone, anyone here today? Obviously, I don't know if there's some folks in Hayward, but what I'm going to do now is pray for all of us. And for those of you who weren't ready to step forward and say, yep, Jesus is God. I want to make him the Lord of my life for the final time. Thank you so much that you're here. I hope you keep rolling with us. I hope you keep hanging around. And we as believers in Jesus are going to continue to pray that one day God would lovingly open up your eyes to the divinity of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I know for myself, broken sinner, many times despised you, disobeyed you, walked away from you. Lord, I thank you that you made a way for me to be forgiven. You made a way for me to be embraced by you, Heavenly Father, through the person of Jesus Christ. And collectively, as a Resonate Church family, we're just say, we want to say, Lord, in response to what we heard, you're worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Lord, I pray that our Resonate Church family would be strengthened in their faith. They would know that we don't have an illogical faith, but we have a, a logical faith that comes to life through a supernatural God. Strengthen our faith today, Lord. And for the unbelievers, Lord, the seekers, those who doubt you, God, we pray for them. We ask that you bless them. We ask that you give us the courage and the compassion to love our non-believing friends well and continue to make this a safe place where people can explore God so that you can do the heavy lifting of revealing yourself. We love you. We thank you for what you've done in this place today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.